welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast, Episode 8, and I'm actually um, taking it on the road this week, which is really pretty exciting. I'm excited that I took all of my gear um, and packed it with me to New York, and it's actually all working, which is really freaking awesome. Uh, there probably there won't be any cats, though, making any weird noises this week, unfortunately, because uh, I'm in New York. And I'm really excited for this week's guest. And she's family, but I want to be really clear about something before I introduce her. Um, I, I want to set a high standard for the guests on this show. And I want to be really clear. I, I'm not having Emily, my cousin, on the show because she's just family. Um, I was really... Um, inspired by Emily a couple months ago. Uh, she has a, uh, a f- her first feature film, and we'll obviously talk about that. Um, but she's 24 or 23? I'm, I'm 23 now. 23. I'm 24 in she's a turning weeks. 24. So I, this isn't a, like, a, um, like a student sort of cute little movie um, or like a student film or like the type of, I don't really have, I don't know what a 23 or 23 year old filmmaker's film should, should be like. It's not too often that I see a 23 year old, 23 year old's movie, but I was blown away. I saw it a couple months ago. Thank you. And um, so anyway, without further ado, I'll, I'll, of course we'll keep talking here, but I just, I wanted to introduce her and, and I'm so happy that you're on the show. I'm so blown away by your movie. And uh, so my cousin, Emily Cohn is on this week's show. So welcome to this Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of surreal to have you on the show. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah, and um, I, it's funny. There's a lot I want to talk about. But I saw your movie a couple months ago, and it's called, yeah. it's called Crushed. Uh-huh. C-R-S-H-D, no, yeah. no vowels. No vowels. And of course I want to um, ask about the movie, but I... That I was so inspired by that movie and what you're doing because my podcast is sort of about. I don't think creatively we're as good as we used to be as a culture, yeah. And I think we really need your age group to um, sort of pass the pass the baton and 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 keep the creative juices flowing and and be real and be inspired. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of losing faith in our culture. Um, And that's because I get the sense that so many people are spending their time staring at their phone all the time. And you gave me hope. You really made me feel like, no, I'm serious. I was really blown away by the movie. And I'm not just saying that. Just, um, And it's funny. This is a story I want to tell. Mm -hmm. I remember calling my dad the day after I saw you and Mm -hmm. saw the movie. Mm -hmm. And I, he... I must have told him that like a week before that, that I was seeing your movie. So right away he's like, well, how is it? And I said, (laughs) it's freaking amazing. Like the sound, you edited it, the writing, you wrote it, you directed it. And the thing my dad said, he goes, wow, that's really, 
saying something because you're you're so harsh or you're so critical. <laughs> yeah. Um, so really, I'm so I'm happy I took you by surprise. <laughs> I was it, so, made the Eddie test. So where's like where's the film now? Obviously, it's not in theaters. Yeah. What's the stage of of the film? Yeah, I mean, I guess should I like maybe say like a summary of it too, if that helps. Yeah, of just course. I, I mean, I, I well, let's just write. We'll, we'll backtrack. Mm-hmm. Backtrack. But right okay. now, where where are you in the process of this film? Yeah. So right now, we've just. It's been like, it's coming on three years of having worked on it, but right now we just started submitting to film festivals, which doesn't necessarily mean that the film is fully finished. I still have to do the final sound mix. Um, So the cut that you saw didn't have the final music or sound effects um, or color grade. And yeah, we hear back from festivals, hopefully in December, and then we'll know where we premiere. And then once you premiere somewhere, there's kind of like everything, we're kind of in a holding pattern right now, but... Right. Yeah. Well, what do you? Um, it's so at. it's basically you've done as much as you can, and you'll mm-hmm. you'll like put those finishing touches on it after it's been approved for a festival. Or well, what? we're kind of we submitted what's called like a work in progress screener, which like you should still have most of the movie there. So we're picture locked, which means that nothing's changing within the timeline of the film. What so like could change. Um. What, what do you mean? Well, Sorry. between the movie that you submitted to the final oh, yes. one, what could still potentially change? What's changing is the color grading. Okay. So like the actual clips will be, you know, officially, you know, matching. Maybe you shot someone's close up on one side and then the sun moved and you're shooting the next thing. Okay. But you have to make it look cohesive. So we're still doing that. Um, and then we're still doing the final sound mix, which is like, you know, making it 5-1. Right. Um, yeah. So that's like we submitted and then after submitting we're still working on like those like extra finishing touches okay but it's not like i'm cutting a scene or i'm yeah and um why are you like tell me the process why are you submitting it to film festivals so you obviously feel like it's basically done yes so before so one option of getting it into theaters across the country is or to get distribution yes. is to submit it to festivals yes. and there'll obviously be a lot of distributors there. Yes. And with the hopes that they'll finance the distribution of the film. Yeah, it's actually it's kind of like a I mean, I'm obviously learning a lot now sure. going um going into this and doing a lot of research and things are I mean, even people who've been in the industry for like, you know, 10, 20 years, everything's changed and right. with Netflix and all of that. Um so it used to be that you get into a festival and that's where distributors and, you know, people, um, you know, acquisitions will happen. And particularly the last or not last year, but like the few years before that, it's like Netflix would go in and like you would hear like six figure deals to buy movies. Right. Um, but typically these are movies that have some star in it. They're higher budget films and you know, like Call Me By Your Name was a festival film, sure. but obviously that has Army Hammer in it and it was right. made by a renowned director and it was acquired by Sony Pictures Classics. Um, but the more indie films would get kind of smaller deals from Netflix or Amazon. But now in the last year, everyone's really focused on original content and they're right. ver- acquiring less and less at festivals. I mean, um, the one thing that I... I I think the quality of of the content that we see these days is yeah. not as good as it used to be mm-hmm. because there's so many outlets. Yeah. You know, Amazon and Netflix, it's about filling space. Yeah. Uh, and HBO and stars, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. But on the one hand, on the other hand, though, that's a great opportunity for somebody like you because yeah. there's, I'm sure, do you have somebody who's sort of helping you decide 
it's, it's funny. I, I remember maybe talking to your dad or somebody like as hard as it is to is as it is to make something artistically really good. I mean, mm-hmm. that's freaking really challenging. Mm-hmm. It's I feel like it's even more challenging actually getting your product out there. Getting people to pay attention. Yes. Yeah. So what are you is somebody sort of giving you suggestions on on this road? Because I'm sure you're a bit overwhelmed or don't totally yeah. know what to do. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely like, I'm kind of, I'm honestly just, I'm cold calling and cold emailing anyone I can get a hold of. I have people who are definitely helping, but again, like a lot of people I know, and even now, just people who have been in the industry for a while aren't familiar with what is happening to the landscape, especially for a movie as untraditional as mine is. Um, But... Yeah, like I had a really good conversation with theirs. Sundance has something called like the Creative Distribution Fellowship. And I was listening to a podcast where the woman who runs it was talking on it. I listened to a few podcasts with her. And at the end of every podcast, she was like, please, like, call, write me. Like, here's my email. We love talking to people. And um, so I was like, oh, I'll I'll write her and I'll try to talk to her. And I talked to her and like she had, you know, great advice and perspective. And it was kind of like, you need to have a great trailer. You need to get... um, And she did say, like, it's really important to build an Instagram presence and, like, a mailing list because if you can say to a festival, like, hey, I have a thousand people on my emailing list. Right. um, Then by the time to them, that means, oh, you have a thousand people who potentially would be coming to our festival. Um, So, like, those are all things that I've, like, while also finishing the film and, you know, I also have to deal with, like, getting rights cleared and making other decisions. And, right. and notes and all that, but I've been trying to build an email list, like a yeah, all that stuff. And it's funny. Um, God, there's so many things I'm thinking about, <laughs> but I want to, I want, I want to talk. Well, I mean, as, it's similar to stuff that I feel like well, you're also happy well, as to yeah, with. as a film, yeah. yeah, as a filmmaker or as an artist or as a writer, you, you know, you just want to make your product. Yeah, you don't want to have to worry about Instagram and marketing. Yeah, and uh, basically. A friend of mine is a DJ, and she said something like, to be a DJ now, you have to be a DJ, you have to be a booking agent, you have to be a PR agent, mm-hmm. you have to um, be a, a mixer, you have to... Um, there's just so many things now. Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of the world that we live in now. As a yeah. filmmaker, it's really not just about making films. Um, you have to be doing all of these other things that yeah. we really... I, I wish we could just spend our time... Yeah. you know, writing or making a movie. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the podcast that I've created is, is I'm talking negatively about Instagram pretty often because mm-hmm. I do think it's changing the way our brains work, yeah. but you have to use Instagram right now. And most writers and directors have to use it because that's primarily where everybody is looking these days. They're and it's like lucky phones. that we can have it as a tool, even though it is something that can take away from our time. Right. So how, what's your plan with Instagram? What are you, what are yeah. you, what, what are you thinking or what, what's, yeah. what do you, what's your plan of attack? Yeah. Well, it's, it's also funny. Cause I'll just say that I think I told you this, but I deleted Instagram when I was editing the film. So that's that right. felt like a big privilege. And I would like often leave my phone at home and I would just go and edit and that was like my most productive and now I'm like now that I'm back on it trying to be strategic and use it to build some kind of brand right but I find I I also use it now completely just passing time and scrolling which is yes then I'm like oh what did I just do with those yeah. 30 minutes well and that's the thing I think I've, I've said this in earlier podcasts I think mm-hmm. our free time is so valuable yeah and if if 
the quality of an artist's work, I think, is not as good if their phone is with them constantly and they're staring at Instagram or Facebook or whatever or checking Twitter. So I yeah. think I, it's interesting. I mean, I think it makes sense that you turned, turn it off while you were in the editing process. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about the film, first of all, and compliment you because oh, um, <laughs> you're like, sure, anytime. <laughs> So, well, this is a thing that was so impressive. I can't watch it anymore at this point. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> you can't. It's too much. You're just too invested. So yeah. I, I think, um, again, it, even even because you're my cousin, it wasn't about saying how great it was just to make you feel good. Um, I was, you know, I, I I have friends that are filmmakers and, and involved, and, and I know the work that is involved in making a movie. I mean, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't direct mm-hmm. them. But just like making a record, writing yeah. a book, it, it takes years. Yeah. And so you directed it, you wrote it, you edited it, mm-hmm. um, you found the actors for it, mm-hmm. um, you picked the music that was in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, to me, I thought of Quentin Tarantino. Just because Quentin Tarantino, obviously, it's a completely different film. Yeah, yeah. But he is invested. I mean, he um, he doesn't edit them actually, so maybe you're better than Quentin Tarantino. So he doesn't. But no, yeah. I'm but he's so he's so heavily thing. invested. I mean, he writes, he directs. He he's very invested in the music that's selected. And I remember going up to the people at your screening in LA a couple months ago and, and had to compliment the musicians that were involved or, or did they write? I don't music? know. So they didn't do a lot of the musicians are friends actually, but they, Oh, well there was the composer was there. Yes. Yeah. The composer was but, there. But did you actually handpick the songs that went into the movie? The songs that are like considered, um, source okay. as opposed to score. So anything that has lyrics or was like a sync. That was your ch- that, selection. Were, yeah. I mean, see that's, and I have friends that are music supervisors. I mean, that's yes, a gift yeah. also. So yeah. I was just really, and I worked with the music supervisor, but she was more helping with the legal stuff. And she, she gave me options, but we didn't end up, um, we couldn't get a lot of the ones that she was suggesting. Well, I, I was so inspired by it. And it's funny. It actually, I feel like led to my podcast in a weird sort of way. Because it made cool. me no, but it made, it made me realize uh-huh. right now more than ever, it's so important for artists to stay off of Instagram because mm-hmm. it although it can help promote your product, yeah, it's getting in the way of your creative spark or your spirit, yeah. and we need people to like inspire us to to. Um, make us to remind us to get back to work on the guitar or Mm -hmm. writing your book or writing your film. And you're 23 years old. And I thought your generation would have a hard time making a great film Mm -hmm. because let's be real. I think most people in your generation are primarily just staring at their phones all day. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And I mean, I think the fair thing to say, especially in this process where like, you know, my friends, even my friends who are filmmakers, they're kind of like, aren't you bored of this yet? Or like, what are you still doing? And it's like, I mean, just to give some sense of timeline, I guess, it's like, I wrote it, I started it my senior year of college writing it. And so I was 21. Right. I finished writing it, you know, in nine months. And while I was writing it, I was also casting it. And I did that because I was like, I'm going to have this chance now. I was at college. It takes place in college. I cast it and then I filmed it and then I kept editing it. And so like in all those steps have definitely, the editing has taken longer than I thought, but I think ultimately we're, 
it's hard not to want that instant gratification. Sure. You post something or you make a short film or a, you know, short Instagram story that's funny and all that stuff is like, that is, there are people who I think use Instagram and do a good job of creating cool content, but it's a different form of, you know, you're not living with something for that yeah. amount of time. It's not deep. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I feel like there's a lack of lack of depth yeah. going on in our culture, creatively speaking. Um, I, I was researching Netflix a lot, and they are actually writing shows because they know that people are binge watching or yeah. they're maybe, you know, staring at their phones while they're watching the show. Mm-hmm. So. The pro- I think their shows are actually worse, but they're actually doing these things where they'll put in a little twist at the, just at the end of the show. So most of the show could be mediocre, mm-hmm. but as long as there's a good twist going on at the end, that is enough to sustain the person to go on to the next show because yeah. they know that somebody's watching it all day on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Um, but So what is your movie about? It's called Crushed. Yeah. Um, so t- tell us what it's about. I can give my little... Yeah. My little log line, which is it's three college freshmen the last night of school before summer break chasing their crushes. Um, and it well, all kind of culminates in what's called a crush party. Okay. So you submit your crush and they get an invitation. And then if you are crushed, you get an invitation. Um, yeah. And it's like a you know female sex comedy. Yeah. And it does deal a lot with social media and like sort of surreal representations of what it's like to be online. So you know, instead of looking at someone as they scroll on Instagram, we have the character like have this big Instagram visual effects scroll that unravels. And I was lucky enough to have a awesome 18 year old named Dorian who he is at Overland now. And he, you know, he taught himself basically on YouTube how to do all these visual effects. And, you know, I talked to him about it and he was like, Hey, here's what we have to do. And like, yeah, he made it happen. And well, I remember just telling you after I saw the movie, I was just blown away at how you brought that part of the movie to fruition. I, I mean, because it really had a clever, unique way of sort of separating the, the texting world yeah. uh, from real world. Because often I think it's really boring on screen when you like, even if they have like text it bubbles is. and stuff, it's like, but so much of our life is online and like you need a way to make it exciting for people to watch other people feel you know, there's a lot of emotion that happens on our phone. Even yes, yeah, so. totally. I yeah. just had a doctor on who um, he was talking about dopamine and serotonin, uh-huh. and, oh, and God. it's it's a real thing. Yeah. You know, you get 50 likes from a photo, uh, you're gonna feel better about yourself than if one of your photos only gets it 25 really likes. <laughs> it is a drug. It's scary, and I think, um, you, you know, Instagram feels innocent, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's having a huge impact on our brains and yeah. just the the reward uh, response. Um, so so um, yeah, I, I think the way that you sort because texting and Instagram, it's it's like it's its own little world, and you yeah. had this unique way of 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 making the texts mm-hmm. have their own sort of place in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was really and and how so you you. Um, I want to backtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I want to backtrack to the beginning of the movie when you were writing, and then I want to backtrack mm-hmm. even further. But um, so, how did you come up with the idea? So you were twenty one. Uh, yeah. You're, you went to Oberlin. I, guess I was twenty when I started. You're, you went no, to Oberlin 21. College yeah, I went to in Oberlin, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Were you a film major? 
I was a creative writing major, and I spent my year abroad at a place called Prague Film School. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And you actually had a movie win an award for the Tribeca Festival? Yeah, well, so it wasn't really an award, but I was a a Tribeca Film Fellow in high school, which was like they basically selected um, 20 high school students from around the city to be part of this intensive year-long fellowship. And this is New York? In New York, yeah, in high school. So I was... 17 and it lasted a year and I maintained my relationship with them and they've been incredibly supportive. Um, but part of that fellowship, it culminated in pitching an idea or two to this panel and they had a certain amount of money to allocate to all of our movies. Um, and I got like top level funding for a short film that I then produced and directed, wrote, produced, directed, 10 minutes. I mean, obviously I watch all these things now and I'm right. just like, Oh God. Yeah. But you know, it was like, I got one of my friends to miss school for it. And my mom did as in my feature did the craft services very it sounded amazingly. Like you, it sounded like you said my mom did acid in the feature. You know, that could have happened too. You never know. She's <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but that's what I thought I yeah. heard you say. But yeah, she's, um, you know, so you went to Prague Film School, and then yeah, and then I spent my junior year at Prague Film School. So this was a part um, of it's part of Oberlin's overseas. Yeah, curriculum sort of. Or, okay. Yeah, I mean, I took. I ended up actually being. It was very. It was great because I was able to take a semester off of Oberlin and not have to pay Oberlin tuition, but I could right. still graduate on time going to yeah. Prague. Um, and I met a lot of so my DP. the The program is super international. It's all taught in English, but like. There are people from India and um, Iceland and Sweden and the Netherlands. And so I had two of my friends from there. One was my friend Sonia, who's the DP. Um, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> She's the Emily's, DP. Emily's tapping the I'm desk and I'm glaring at her fingers. <laughs> like, don't do that. Because I don't have headphones on. No, it's but, okay. um, yeah, so she, she flew herself from India, which was awesome. And like, we had worked together a lot in. Prague and right. I was like I'm doing this feature and there's a character who we talked about a lot an Indian character who you know she had talked to me about and helped so you already had the idea for this film crushed um in, in Prague. Prague um I made a short film that it kind of extended from okay yeah. got it sorry it's okay I feel like I'm kind of backtracking but yeah I made yeah. this short film called sext that was we had one of the assignments there was you had to do a five-page script with no more than 10 lines of dialogue in one location and so it was a bedroom and it was basically like a girl about to hook up with a guy and the way that we sort of invite our friends into situations that are private that should be private but by way of our phones and like how to show that in a funny way and so like her friends as she's texting her friends they start popping up and like giving her advice about you know hooking up with this guy um so it kind of it was an extension of that and wanting to like figure out more like you know being a woman and expectations of that kind of stuff, right. a young girl trying to figure things out and getting advice from your friends and always having your phone there and being told different things. And yeah. Yeah. And always I, comparing yourself it, that what's stuff. so interesting is that I started um, writing, I started to get annoyed by Instagram mm-hmm. with, in the last couple of years. And so, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book about yeah. like our culture. Which I'm you, excited about. You don't know. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting that I'm obviously like, you know, 20 years older than you or about, yeah, about that. And, and I, and here you are, like, we're both 
really affected by what's going on by the yeah. power of Instagram and social media and how it's affecting our culture. And um, so am I, you've, you know what this podcast is about. And I'm not forgetting about your story in Prague, but I, I, oh, just, no, I just wanted to, you know what I've been talking about lately. Yeah. Do you think I'm insane about my assessments of, no. of Instagram or do you think it's, it's, you know, messing things up or what? I mean, obviously we need to use it in, in, in yeah. to, to a certain regard and we both like posted pictures, but mm-hmm. what, how do you, how are, are, how are you dealing with, mm-hmm. with, with its power and, and are you annoyed by it or, or, um, inspired by it or, um, how are you handling making a film, mm-hmm. uh, for the last three years? Um, yet there's this, like, it's almost like my friend, compared Instagram to sort of like a war zone with like freaking, you know, Uzis and machine guns. And, you know, do you want to step in there? And then you got to like get the hell out of there as quickly as you can. Um, I mean, how do you, you know what my podcast is about. I mean, so what's, what's your assessment as to what's going on? I mean, I think I'm not quite as, as uh, pessimistic about it as you maybe are. No, that's fine. Yeah. But um, I think the thing for me is just like, you know, Instagram started getting popular when I was a senior in high school. And like, I was an intense student, you know, through my all academics, but I've definitely seen my own attention span and like ability to focus decrease significantly. And it frustrates me to like an insane degree. And that's where I think Instagram, I'm like, I wish I could just delete it, but then I always feel like, oh, there's more I could be doing. And like, even if I'm not working on getting more followers necessarily to the crushed Instagram page, right? I'm supposed to be building my own personal brand. And like, I like, look, I like taking photos. I like sharing my photos. I like the feeling of getting likes on my photos, Sure, but I also like, I don't, I'd rather be focusing on something a little bit bigger yeah. or like, you know, I'd rather spend, you know, I'm trying to write two pilots right now and, because I don't have the structure of school or, you know, I work freelance. So it's not like I can be like, Oh, I'm going to write every morning from, I mean, no one really has that luxury, but like, right. you know, if I was working a nine to five then I'd be like, okay, Mondays, Wednesdays, I'll write from five to seven. And then blah, blah, blah. like, that's usually how I like to operate. Well, but. that's why I think Instagram is a bigger deal than, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to sound pessimistic about it, but what you just touched on, like, mm-hmm. Because I'm writing a book, because I'm DJing, because I have the structure of a podcast now, and because I'm going back to start writing music again, I know how valuable my free time is. So I'm yeah. trying to use it and, and be really um, mindful uh, that, you know, I only have like an hour or two mm-hmm. today or whenever. So yeah. I need to make sure I'm using that time as, as um, well as I can. But I think the vast majority of people, I'm just guessing here, have a hard time being disciplined, being structured, and to really value their free time. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't. It seems innocent, but if a whole culture of people are instead of that hour or two, mm-hmm. you know, playing the guitar or reading the newspaper or having a conversation, yeah. Instead of doing these things that I think over the long term and in a, in a, in adding all these millions of people up, I think the reason why we have things like our president becoming presidents, yeah. I think this is a result of a culture that is not paying attention 
to their awareness and how mm-hmm. valuable their free time is. Well, I think and, we like numb because we numbly like yeah. Scroll kind and of. before we know it, an hour has passed, and we're yeah. like, "Oh my god!" I just literally just stared at Facebook and Instagram, and I didn't really do anything for the last hour. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I think I sometimes sound a bit apocalyptic about about it, but um, I just think I I was so impressed by you first of all just talking to you right now i mean i i almost didn't want to say your age because <laughs> no because you you just exude um intelligence oh, and thoughtfulness the way that you're speaking there's depth there's um there's something that i think a, a, a lot of people your age and even probably my age and mm-hmm. even people that that just it, it's it's hard to stay focused. It's hard to stay yeah. passionate about your craft just in general. Yeah. But then when you have the bombardment of like your phone that, that's just sitting in your pocket waiting to be looked at, yeah. uh, you have to be careful. Yeah. And so I just, I think the timing of when I saw your film, it was just like, oh my God, we need more people like you who are um, following, so, which I want to just, who are following your, your passion. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm thinking about a few things about your parents and how you got into film, but mm-hmm. I want to go back to Prague. Mm-hmm. Just so you came up with this short film, Sext, mm-hmm. and yeah. and and from that you got you turned it into this film, Crushed, or how did yeah. that happen? Um, it was kind of like so that was that assignment. Then we had a diploma film, um, and then I went back to Oberlin and. I was a creative writing major, like I said, and the the class that I was always most excited to take was a screenwriting class um, with this awesome professor named Dan Sean, um, and he he's been at Oberlin like forever and is you know the head of the department. He's an incredible author, and he so he had this class, and I was that was my final creative writing class, and I took that class, and in that class, you just you have to write a feature film. I mean that's wow. that's the class essentially. It's a workshop class, and you you pitch. You start by we had to watch I had to watch 52 movies over the summer and then we all come in we have a treatment for sorry no it's <laughs> like okay it's fine um we uh yeah so you have to pitch and I had like you know five pitches and one of them was I don't remember what I called it at that point but I had been to a crush party in school so there really was such a thing as a crush party yeah it's just okay. in the movie it's like very the rules and how it's set up is very fictionalized because it's, it's much more of like a frat sorority thing and right. college didn't have frats or sororities. So it was more of just like, Oh, like submit a crush and like, but it would end up just being kind of like a normal party. Right. Um, but yeah. So, and he basically said, he was like, look, I like this idea and I like this idea, but like, you know, you should write this. And like, and I started, he was like, I think, I think you're in college now. Like you're living it. Yeah. Go for that. So he almost, in a way, was acting like a studio producer. Like you were pitching yeah, ideas. Yeah, I'd say him. so. I no, mean, that's actually yeah. really cool. It was because really cool. I think also, as as creators, we don't realize how important the the good pitch is. Mm. You know, and I'm thinking about that right now with my book, and sure. uh, it just and. And part of the podcast. You pitched it well at dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't give you the exact specifics. Sorry. But <laughs> but the podcast, in a way, I'm tr- I'm kind of using it as a pitch. I'm uh-huh. not telling all. I'm really I'm sort of like kind okay. of toying with people. Like yeah. 
oh, I've got a book coming out. And hopefully over the next you know five months, more and more people will listen. And mm-hmm. um, so in a way, it's sort of like a subtle pitch. Like, yeah. But I think it's it's just cool that your 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 teacher included that part of the class. So you submitted this um, idea to, to the um, professor, yeah. and he sort of gave you the, um, like, oh, this is something that you should write. Yeah, and I mean, it was like, we all pitched to the whole class, and it was, there were a few, but he was really the one to be like, yeah, go, like, go for that one, and like, you can always change your idea, and, sure. you know, so I started writing it, and I would say that, like, I wrote it very much in a direct, what would be... I guess technically called like a director's draft because I wrote all of the way that I saw social media and you know technically that would be a director's thing so you would just write she swipes on tinder as opposed to I wrote you know the men who the men pop up and speak their profiles and she physically pushes them right um which is how I show it in the in the movie yeah um and sort of you know halfway through the class writing it he was like you know you could you can make this Yes. Like you could figure out how to make this because he also knew most of the kids in the class didn't. Yeah, I'd say, okay, I'd say a third of the class knew film production, but most of them were really strictly more considered themselves writers. But he knew that I knew film production. By um, by that you mean like raising money and and finding a cast and finding a crew. Um, by that I mean just like he knows that I knew the technical side of it and that I had worked. Um, I, you know, I'd had jobs in film okay. already. And I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough. I, I grew up in New York and I had from the age of, you know, from 10th grade, I had a film production. My first job was like, I went to a fashion brand that I loved and I wanted to work in their film department. And right. like, I was doing event videography and like, you know, and, and also by that he meant you have access to a college campus. You could, so, other people were writing horror films set in, you know, the 1940s. Right. You can't, you can't do that. That's a huge So has budget. anybody else in your class made their movie? No. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So he really was sort of like, um, you know, nudging you to, to make this. Yeah. And which was, and I don't, and it's not like he, you know, there were other, like, I mean, there was one script in the class that I was like, this is honestly one of, I've talked to my mom about it a bunch of times that I was like this, I like she had an incredible script. Um, so there, it was a lot of really good scripts. It's just in terms of like budget and capability. Um, and by that, I just mean like, you know, I knew that I could get young actors who would work for basically no money. You know, you can't, you can't really convince a 40 year old as easily, I think to like give up their life for a month to do something. And I had older cast members, but they were, you know, had a day or two as opposed to living for a month in a, you know, semi shitty house in Overland, Ohio. So you get a script that you're finally like satisfied with Mm -hmm. and you're, are you a senior at this point? Yeah. So I finished it by December, my senior year. Okay. And then what made you, and let me emphasize also, this isn't just a, and I said it earlier, but just in case you forgot, it looks like a full on production. I mean, there's Thank like, you. it's all, I mean, and it, technically it, it yeah, was, it is. you know, I didn't, yeah. I mean, I didn't mean that to come out like it, it, it faked it. It, it really, it, yeah, it, it is, know. it's a yeah. full on, you know, full crew, full cast on location at Oberlin. I mean, yeah. a lot of these, these student films, I even, um, I'm apprehensive to call it a student film, but you were, I guess, technically in college mm-hmm. still. Yeah. Um, 
it sort of has this look of it's in like one location. It, there, it feels like there's limitations. It was very ambitious. Yes. Which I realized once no, I got I more into it. So you're, uh, you're, um, December senior year scripts done. Yeah. Our, and our, by done, I mean, that was like my first good solid draft. There were 40 more drafts after that. And so you shot at that probably that coming summer after school was done. Yeah. So what I happened? Graduated. When, what month did you shoot it in? We shot it in late July to mid August. So what happened between December mm-hmm. to July where you got the financing, mm-hmm. the confidence <laughs> to actually be yeah. like, I'm going to film this thing and we're going to, we're, and, and got the cast and the crew and you're 22 at this point or 20, 21 or 22. Uh, I was 22 at that point. So yeah. what, what is making a 20, what's just making, uh, I think what's, I was deluded. Yeah. <laughs> but you obviously had a passion. You, you love making films. I, yeah. I love making films. So what got you to that next step of we're going to do this? Mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah. I mean, it was a few things. I think I was just so, I was like, I had to do it. And I've only known filmmaking at like super low budgets, like get my friends together. We're going to do it. Um, and I do think, and Dan being like, you could, that was my professor being like, you should film this. And I was like, yeah, I should. Like there's, and I kind of, I didn't, I think like if I, if I knew how crazy it was to try and do this, maybe I wouldn't have, but I think that's also like a blessing of being fresh to it sure. in the sense of a feature film. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess some, so some of the things were, you know, December and then Luckily enough, I had fulfilled most of my requirements, and one of my last creative writing things is an independent study, basically, like your capstone. And I continued editing this for my capstone, which meant I had a whole class dedicated to just continuing to work on this. This being crushed. Crushed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was my final, final creative writing class, which is, I was able to, and part of that was I created a pitch deck, um, like a lookbook. I used that to pitch to Canon which a friend of mine, her dad works there. And I was like, could I, and I had, I had worked for her, um, for a short film that she did for a few days that summer. And her dad was there. I didn't know that he worked for Canon or anything. And he took me to the train station and we were talking. And then I realized like, so he started talking about photography and I slowly, then it came out like, Oh, he worked for Canon. I didn't know. He's like, Oh, you could be a producer. Like you, I could tell like the way that I was, I guess like doing that. So I was like, can you put me in touch with him? Could I see right. if there's any way that like, maybe they could give us equipment or something. Okay. And, um, and how did you find like your DP and how did you like, what, what yeah. did your crew consist of? Yeah. Um, well, so technically you would, like, it was a soup, it was a small crew, but then it was also like in some ways, felt like a huge crew because we were all living together. Sure. Um, yeah, so my DP was my friend from India, Sonia. Right. Um, who we had worked together all through Prague um, and lived together for a while. Uh, my first AD, I had talked to a few people. That was my other friend from Prague who was from the Netherlands. And this was all people who were like, you know, they were they read the script. They knew me. They know how serious I am. They know that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone was really excited about making a feature. We're all people who are freaking crazy and just want to make films. Yes. And this was a particular summer where most people were like, they had just graduated. 
um, we were lucky enough to not have the burden of needing to make a ton of money. I was telling people like, you know, I had started raising money. I put in, I had savings that I put in some of my savings, but okay. not put in some of her savings. And did you do like a Kickstarter or something to raise money? Now we have, we did a seed and spark. Yeah. Okay. Which is a type of Kickstarter. Sure. Um, so and, you, um, I, I don't, I, I mean, Oh yeah. And then anyone, so anyone who's working, it was like, we were, I, I was also looking at houses, like what were right. like the cheapest and not necessarily the cheapest, but what were the most, the best houses that I could get in Oberlin, Ohio to house at least 15 people. Right. Um, I'm going to, yeah, sorry. No, it's fine. I'm going to ask this question. Yeah. I can, I don't, I, I, can I ask what the budget was for the film? I don't know that. Well, the thing is, we haven't like finished, right? So I'm not going to say it yet. Just but it was considered a, a, a pretty low budget film. It's considered an ultra low budget. Ultra yeah. low budget. Okay, because yeah. so it doesn't look like it. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have that feel. But I think so. You really yeah. got no one, favors. I mean, most, no one was. Yeah, it was tons of favors. Tons and of my favors. mom, you know, my mom took a month off of work, which was probably the biggest like. For her, that's a lot, especially in the summer, because that's like her busy time. So she was there, like <clears throat> on set, helping. She cooked three meals a day for wow. twenty people with the woman who also like helped raise me. Her name's Kim, who was like my baby nurse, and she's basically like my grandma. She has my grand, my actual grandma who died ten years ago. Her old car, that's the speedometer is broken, and that was right. partially what we were using to, you know, I took an overnight greyhound to Cleveland yeah. with my first AD. Um, and where'd you find the actors? <clears throat> Yeah, because so they're, they're all very, they're great, yeah, and that's that's they're the, freaking amazing. The, well, that's the thing. I think um, not only the way you made the film and the sound and the editing, uh, not only does it have a professional quality to it, but the acting all feels professional. And yeah. I just, you know, I I want people to know about this movie, and I want people well, to you. know about <laughs> you. No, because I think you're really talented, right. and I think. Um, Let's hope we get in somewhere. <laughs> well, and this is the thing. I again, not to talk about Instagram and why I think it's important to get off of your phone and create conversations. Mm-hmm. Because in order to get things done, a lot of times it requires a group of people, and yeah. I think it's really important to create relationships, friendships common interests beyond, Mm -hmm. you know, using a cool filter on your phone. It's about, you know, finding a great musician who can help you with music and, and, and editors and actors that are, and I love that you mentioned that they all knew that you're really passionate. And when you actually talk about getting something done, you mean it Mm -hmm. because that means that they really take you seriously. And although you're all young, you, how did you, I mean, I don't. Obviously, people that are in their early twenties can get easily distracted. Mm-hmm. Can you know? There's this sort of stigma, obviously, around somebody in their twenties who they're just like want to have a good time and party. And, and well, and, my and friends would. Yeah. <laughs> how did you? But how did you control those tendencies and get people focused? And mm-hmm. how did? And 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 how did? Are you? Because how did you? sort of boss people around or mm-hmm. get people to really listen to you and be like, okay, yeah. well, let's, let's do this. Yeah. What, what, how did you do that? Well, I do have to say like, that definitely is something where like, when I think back on it, I'm like, that is not a small thing that people really, cause look, I mean, we had, it was mostly a young, just graduated or younger cast and crew, but there were select, like our sound recorders who was awesome. 
he, I, I don't know how old he is, but I mean, he's maybe in his 30s, like, you know, done a ton of professional stuff, like worked for, I think, Paul Thomas Anderson. And like, it, like again, like when pitching it to him, it's like, yeah, the fact that there were people who took me seriously, even though I'm a, you know, freaking 22 year old who's like, I'm going to make a feature. Right. Um, and because I, yeah, like half of the people knew me and then half of the people didn't know me. And I basically pitched it to them and convinced them to trust me. Yeah. Um, but I never, I mean, I never had, I had some worries initially, like the first day when everyone got there, it was, and people, anyone on the cast and crew will describe it like summer camp and they had an amazing experience. Sure. And that, that's great. And I'm really, I'm just happy. Cause I'm like, you know, part of me was like, oh my God, I feel so guilty that I made all these people come all this way to like do this thing. But like at the end of the day, it was a full team effort and like everyone did an amazing job. Um, but I was like nervous about people having too much fun and then sure. not getting the work done. Yeah. But you never felt like that ever happened. It felt, it felt like when, when it, you guys all got to work, people were there to work. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, did you have to get permission from the city? Because that's the other thing yes. you're shooting outside uh-huh. on campus. Yeah. I had um, to get full permission from, I mean, that was also part of what I was doing between December and shooting, and, which was like talking to the campus and saying, Hey, I need like I started creating a preliminary schedule right. and that's when I started realizing like, Oh shit. Cause like if, if you know film production at all, you know that like a producer's worst nightmare is what's called company moves. So you ideally want what does be, that mean? A company move is like anytime if you have a shooting day, anytime that you have to move locations within a shooting day. Okay. Which would, which you plan for, but why is that yes. such a pain in the ass? Because just the, it, the setup and everything from yeah, what okay. it's just like budgetarily like you you waste so much time right doing a company move so you want as few company moves as possible and basically the deal that we had with the school which is they were giving us all these locations for free um and they were giving us certain access to certain places and a lot of those places had other things that they were working around. So, for instance, we have a bowling alley. Right. The bowling alley has leaves. Yes. Yes. So even though we only had. I think five scenes total in the bowling alley. We had to go back and forth to bowling alley three or four times, I think. And that's like a nightmare. essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be annoying here, but ideally you wanted to shoot all the bowling alley scenes in a day and whether they are at the beginning, middle or end, you just know to shoot them all the same day. Totally. No, we didn't shoot chronologically or anything. Yeah. So, um, why didn't like why were you not able to shoot all the bowling alley scenes in, in one day? Because they couldn't shut it down for a full okay. day for us. You Got know, it. we weren't paying. So, right. <clears throat> you know, it's it was stuff like that, and and there was a like we had way too many company moves, um, and we had a lot of locations. And actually, the night before we started filming, I cut and rewrote like an entire storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you pro- and did you did the script sort of evolve while shooting? I mean, did you? I read stories from mm-hmm. actor friends of mine and directors where they have a script, but then mm-hmm. you know the act once you actually similarly to when I'm in the studio, you know, I have these ideas of yeah. of, of a song or music, but it really isn't until you hear it back through the speakers uh-huh. that you really know if something's working. Yeah. So did you um, like through dailies that did you look at dailies every night? Yeah. So, or, or when you're like filming, if somebody said something, did, did the script evolve while you were shooting? It did. Ev- I mean, we had we had some great. So we had some great technically trained actors, and then we also had some 
crew members who are either who were college students or recent graduates who were able who knew that world well enough that they would improv and they knew their characters in the scenario um so there was there was a bit of improv we had one amazing actor who's a super close family friend who had been on the sopranos he was the bowling alley um yes teacher Uh and he like i mean he fully improv and he's hilarious yeah like yeah he's a lot of people's like yeah love him um so, but I think the most, yeah, the most rewriting happened in editing. That was the final bit of writing. And that was, I mean, there is an entire, I mean, I cut a ton and then there's an entire extra, all that texting that was never in there. That was right. never in the script. We filmed that later. So you added that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. did you have that idea while writing the script from the get go or did you come up with, how did you know to add that part later? Yeah, that was, so we did my first feedback screening was in February of 2018 and from that screening which was like 90 people which was really fun I did it at my high school right um and people afterwards I had certain questions and there was confusion for certain plot lines and from there I had to figure out because there was there was a considerable amount of confusion so you even knew to to run screenings to get feedback to try and make it clearer yeah. or better well i mean i'm just i'm i mean i, I told you this right before but like i'm i'm obsessed with podcasts and i just listened to a ton of filmmaker podcasts and that's something that like you know they said yeah that's something you're supposed to do so i've, yeah. I've learned most of my stuff from listening to podcasts. well what podcast were you listening to to help you yeah or i listened you- to no film school um the business and indie film hustle Wow. Podcast. Those are like the three main ones, but I've listened to, I mean, a lot over the years. Yeah, but those. She does podcasts. Right. You know, I've had different mentors who've been amazing. um, Well, because it's it's funny because I'm so, I feel so late in the game with things. Um, (laughs) I I didn't think podcasts were still cool. Oh, Um, yeah. No, I feel like they're the the most cool. Interesting. Because one of my friends sent me a funny um, Instagram. Uh, he's a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something called Overheard LA. I'm sure there's Overheard New York. There's Overheard Overland. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, he, but not like, a podcast. The one in LA. Oh, no, the okay. Instagram post said something okay. like, uh, "Doing a podcast is the same thing as like in the '90s having a lower back tattoo or something like that." <laughs> oh. It just feels like they're. Um, I didn't think they were cool. That's I just, funny. I just thought it would be. I think they're more interesting though than Instagram because Instagram yeah. you can't really have a personality. You're sort of creating a. Um, super ego, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I, I lost my train of thought. But I, I wanted so the so the film you did the screenings. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Pod, so you did the podcast. Are you listening to these podcasts that actually taught you to yeah. do the screening do before feedback screening before, to get yeah. um, to figure out what was wrong or yeah. what, what mm-hmm. could be better? So where are we? Time that frame, was February of twenty eighteen, which is earlier this year. Yes. Okay. And so then you went back and... Let me just say, when we, so we finished filming mid-August and part of... Of 2017. Of 2017. Right. And I was working part of... Part of the reason why I got access to the school and access to certain equipment from the school and certain locations from the school um, was because I was working for my professors at the time who were working on a documentary about Toni Morrison. That's since come out. And right. So I was staying employed through the school for the following semester. So I had graduated, but I was technically an employee. Um, and then I stayed and I used their editing facilities at Oberlin okay. for um, August through December. Wow. And So another huge favor. That Yes. Or, yeah. 
yeah it, it was it was a favor yeah right and i mean that was but that was my plan and i i made that you know and my professors were awesome um but where was i going with that well, uh, we we were talking about your screening that you had earlier. Than oh yeah, 18, well, so my but, intention but was I was going to finish editing the film. We finished filming in August, and I was going to finish editing it by, by December. December. But what made you feel insecure that you needed to do is like, something obviously about it yes. didn't feel right. Yeah, so I knew I knew that it wasn't the film that I thought it could or was going to be. Right when I was at that point, and my cousin who on my mom's side so Eddie's on my dad's side but my right. cousin on my mom's side is a music editor Jimmy? yeah yeah Jimmy. sure so Jim Schultz he's a music editor in Hollywood he's done a ton of stuff mm-hmm. and I always had in mind I was like I, I I know how important sound is in a movie yes. it's like I mean if you have bad quality bad quality sound it's just you're destroyed yeah um, and that's why like yeah so my sound mixer on set was like he was our one real like professional hire so you had so jimmy actually was on set he wasn't on set sorry. okay but, but how but, but anyway the- so i always knew i was like i want okay. jimmy will help me so he made you realize that sound when i sent it crucial. to him yeah no well he didn't make me realize that sound was crucial but uh-huh. when i sent it to him the fi- the cut and he's worked on so many films and he's seen films go from a rough cut to the final thing and he knows you know Basically, my, my mom showed it to him here. <laughs> he right. was staying. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, she had asked him, you know, like, do you think, like, would you, would you help Emily doing like the final sound? Okay. And he he watched it and he was like, yeah, this is. He's like, one, this is a real movie. Yeah, like what I thought. Yeah. So did he help and with two, the sound or? Did yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's the music editor. But then oh, he, he is. Like, okay. And but he saw this in, you know, maybe did- he saw it in December and he was like, she needs she needs to take another six months editing this. Like, this isn't done. Interesting. Um, he's like, she, and I think he was one of also the people who was like, you need to do some feedback screenings and you need to figure out. And he had his opinions. He's like, you need a real score. Um, you need a real composer. You need a real soundtrack. Um, he's kind of the one who pushed me. Yeah, like, I feel like whereas my professor had pushed me in, like, the writing process, Jimmy has been the one who's pushed me through the post-production process. So your cousin Jimmy was really, um, he, he sort of took you to that, that next stage, I guess yeah, you could say. And that's, and then you ended up, um, having those screenings. Yes. And it's, it's funny. I, um, <clears throat> I talk about this a lot. Uh, I think in regards to Jimmy, I think it's really, mm-hmm. we've somehow also have a culture now where, um, we can't criticize anything anymore. We're so sensitive mm-hmm. that, that, um, you you can't tell somebody that oh this 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 could be better mm-hmm. and there was a year a couple of years ago where all and I talked about it a few weeks ago where all these really huge bands put out records you know um, some of my favorites Radiohead um, Tame Impala Glass Animals James not James Blake he's the um, no I yeah like James Blake, yeah though. James Blake <laughs> no he but I just or Bonnie Bonnie Vare also. Um, a lot, and and all they were all well received. Uh-huh. I thought they were all pretty mediocre, mm-hmm. and so I except Beyonce's record, and mm-hmm. I think Rihanna put out a really good album that year also. Oh, anti. Yes, oh, so. um, 
You don't think so? No, I said so good. I love yeah, that yeah. Oh, you. I'm glad that we agree. Yes. <laughs> we know what I, I haven't had a and about fly, the fly episode. <laughs> yes, in the fly episode yeah. of Breaking Bad. I just I think we've gotten to a place where people are scared to tell somebody that oh this could be better. Yeah. So I think the combination of people staring at their phones all the time. Um, and I think also we're so sensitive now mm-hmm. that you can't say like, oh, that could be better. So I, I love that you, that Jimmy, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you can't be an asshole and sort of be like, oh my God, that freaking, that freaking sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a, if someone tells me it sucks and then they tell me why and what I can do to fix right. it, sure, I'll but take it. it. But how was it when Jimmy said to you, um, like, so he, he saw the screening, screening at your home. Yeah, he saw, he saw, he was like one of the first four people to see it, you know, like and, a cut. And so he must have said something to you that, although probably was difficult to hear, mm-hmm. you were encouraged to keep working on it. Yeah. So what did he, what did, how, what did he say or, or what, what was, what were his issues with it? Um, yeah, I guess it was kind of, it was two part. There was some stuff where, he, I mean, he mainly was just like, you need real music behind this. And then he was like, there's some plot stuff. Um, you know, he, I, I don't think at that stage he didn't give me super specific, like, you should, you need to do this or that. But it was more generally, he was like, look, this is, this is a first cut and this is, this is perfectly normal. Like, you know, doing pickups or added scenes, all that, which I didn't know at that point, is pretty standard. And okay. like, you know, I've taken, I have mm. taken longer than a lot of, certain other films might take in the editing process but I mean I added an animation to help some of right. the confusion it's added, also your first feature film yeah it's my first feature film I've been learning along the way um, but just hearing from him like you know you don't you know I didn't have a studio breathing down my back so it's like he's like you don't need to rush this like you right. should take time he offered to do a temp score which is part of what he does um, which is essentially like it gives a roadmap for the composer. The composer won't come in until you have that. Right. Um, and he was like, I'll do a temp score. Like, give me, you deliver stuff in reels. He also taught me, like, how, you know, there's a back and forth workflow for, like, I have to export um, XMLs, which is just certain file types and ways to deliver to sound sure. people. Um, and he was like, I'll do a temp score and then show this cut to an audience and get and again, this is also something that I heard from these podcasts, but like get their feedback. And I remember, I mean, this was like a 90 person screening everyone I possibly knew. And they were incredibly like, you know, and I said, you know, please bring strangers, people who don't know me. So you took Jimmy's suggestions. Yeah. You went back in, edited Mm it, uh, did the, the film score, the, um, not the full score, temp score. Mm -hmm. And then you put together a screening uh, Mm -hmm. in New York. Yes. Like in February, March. February, yeah. And then you got more feedback. Yeah. From, and that was the biggest, and again, people were kind of like, I can't believe you just, because I, usually it's like someone else, like a producer or something. I mean, technically I'm a producer on the project, but someone's supposed to go up and like field questions, but I just went up and I was like, right. so tell me what you did like. Right. And people raised their hand and I took the confusion and obviously I didn't take everyone's things, but there was a lot of things that I took into consideration. But still My there were, took the notes. there were still a lot of, there was a lot of feedback yes. about it. There was still confusion even in February. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, but you still weren't discouraged. I mean, you, you felt you still, well, this is what's so challenging. You know, uh-huh. I've made a few records and there's always yeah. a point in the process and they've yeah. all taken probably a year and a half to two years to make. Yeah. There's always a point in the process 
and I'm writing a book now and I'm about a year, 10 months into it. Yeah. There's always a day or a week or a month where you're just like, ah, forget it. Yeah. I'm not doing this. It sucks. Um, w- did you ever have those moments or at this point, although it was discouraging, I'm sure to work on something for so long mm-hmm. to know that it still needs to be better. Were you ever, you must've had those days where I'm, I'm thinking this, I just can't do this anymore. Or to be honest, did I mean, you not? there was enough, there are moments now where I'm like, you know, Oh, I have to do like another because I'm also, and I've talked to Jimmy about this too. Cause I have certain friends who will be like, I don't get what you do all day, which is fair. Fine. Um, but, and besides doing, you know, part-time work, it's like, and I talked to Jimmy about this cause I'm like, you know, when I try to explain, I'm like, basically I won't get into the nitty gritty, but right now I'm doing what is normally 10, 10 people's jobs yeah. on a film post-production team. And I was talking to Jimmy about that and he was like, you're doing like 30 people's jobs. Yeah. Please. And so. Well, really quickly, give me a list. Just run it off. What are you doing? Look, I don't, I mean, I don't know all the tech because I I haven't been on enough big sets, but I mean, editing, assistant editing, post-production management, legal, um, anything that involves PR, um, just the, the basic kind of communication between departments, deliverables, um, uh, chain of title, Music syncs. I'm doing a lot of that. Uh, so this is another reason why I think it takes so long to finish product product uh, projects yeah. now because because of the shift in our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, and by me saying R, this could be music, this could be um, filmmaking, TV shows. Although there's so many platforms for us to have things shown on. Mm-hmm people don't want to spend as much money anymore on TV, on movies. Because there's less money to be made, honestly. Yes. So it means people like you have to spend your time on so many different aspects of the project. And to be honest, I I love, I love learning all of it. Sure. And I, but that's, that's unusual, I think, because I think a lot of people like you Mm -hmm. just want to make more movies. And at least, yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, So, Okay, so February. Anyway, yeah, to, no, it's this is all. But just to finish that, like train yeah. of thought, kind of. So, um, oh no, I lost it. Yeah, it's okay. What you, was I talking? About? Well, you're giving the list of all the things that you were doing on, on the film, and you enjoy that. Oh, oh. In terms of feeling, I never felt. Oh right. I never felt like I couldn't keep going just because at that point there were so many people. I mean, the actors and the crew members and the musicians and all the time that I already already spent. To me, I'm like, I know I can make this so much better and I need to figure it out. And that was like a really, that was a challenge and I was like so into it. It's the stuff now where I'm like, it's harder for me to be like, oh, I want to spend another, you know, I want to spend five hours today exporting XMLs. You know what I mean? And like that stuff, it's not like I, and then, but then I always remind myself, I'm like, I feel like the luckiest person in the world that like this right now is a part-time job for me. And like, yeah. I'm able to do that because I can live at home and there, it's just when I get frustrated with it or I'm like, Oh, I'm so sick of it. Then I'm also like, I'm so fucking lucky. So. Yeah. Well, I think you're actually at a really important part of the process because, again, because of Instagram and our culture, Mm -hmm. 
you know, we want instant gratification. Yeah. We, we want everything now. Yeah. And we forget, and which I also think is playing a part in why I think the quality of work isn't as good as it used to be. Because yeah. we it requires patience and time and discipline to put a book together, put a movie together, put an album together. And we... It's it, be, because our brain is getting rewired to get that instant gratification. You, if you're in the middle of like recording a drum part of a song, and the song isn't done yet, you share it. Then. You're like, well, I, you want that feedback, like, oh my god, yeah. this is freaking amazing, but you can't get it. Yeah. So you just sort of need to trust the process, mm-hmm. and 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 trust that. Although I'm not getting my likes on Instagram, mm-hmm. although the film isn't done. Um, it's a process and mm-hmm. like I'm in the second draft of my book right now and yeah. although I want it to just be done I want this draft to be amazing you know one of my friends wanted to see the first draft yeah but I I almost gave it to him because I wanted to get that like that totally. that feedback that oh my god that's so good and yeah. although I think he's going to be honest with me yeah I'm glad that I held off yeah. And and I'm moving, and I finally I said, you know, I want one more time through, because our brain is so wired now to like get that instant, yeah. yeah. So I think the process where you're at right now, or where you were in that mm-hmm. phase stage of the film, yeah, is a really important process because it makes you from it turns you from being a good filmmaker, yeah, to a great filmmaker. And I think that's the other thing that's happened in our culture. I mean, I still like, and also for me, it's like I see it and I, I see everything that's wrong too. Sure. So I'm not like, oh, I just made the greatest thing on the planet. But yeah. I wanted it to be the best possible thing that this thing could be. Yeah. With what I had. So then you went back in and made more adjustments, mm-hmm. and then I find then I saw that cut a couple months ago. I mean, there were, I had, I basically had a screening a month, so I kept, I kept reworking and I ended up, because I had been editing it too, so I wrote it, I directed it, and I was editing it, and then I ended up, and I had one friend also from Prague, he's in Sweden, who watched it a bunch, like he watched every cut and he gave me, he essentially was like an assistant editor in terms of he would watch it and then be harsh with me and be like, this is, like, you cannot use this performance, this is horrible, you need to cut that. Um, and we would go through and he would really talk me through That's it. Great. It was really helpful. Um, and then I ended up working with an editor, um, who's incredible. And we worked, you know, we did like a few days together in her apartment in Brooklyn. Okay. And she also had like such an eye for really streamlining the story. Yeah. Um, and so you, the one that you saw was, and since you've seen it, I've made some changes. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it went through many we had I had at least 15 feedback screenings wow yeah so those are done no yes. more of those no more feedback you screenings. feel like it's locked it's locked yeah and um, and now it's trying to get distribution yeah essentially <laughs> well I mean what do you mean essentially like I'm I, I think I know the process but maybe I don't what else what else is there like what's next for it I mean it's just you know I don't want to I don't, the likelihood of it getting distribution. So, like, I don't see this ever being in theaters for a variety of reasons. Um, Why not? A lot of things don't go to theaters anymore, even if they get, mostly because a theater run is, ends up being really expensive. So, you only do that if there's a really strategic reason to do it. Um, And, you know, I don't have any names yet. I mean, I have 
really talented actors, but sure. they, they're not they're not household names. Um, but maybe your story of being twenty three. I don't I don't yeah. know. But but what like. Um, can you reach out to Netflix and there's YouTube TV, yeah. there's Star. Yeah. I mean, there's so so those kinds of distribution, which yeah. it would be I great. Would, I would, I mean, I would love Netflix distribution, but then no matter where we go, there's still you know the the responsibility is on me to make sure people know it exists. Yeah, do you Even have if we get theatrical? Yeah, but if you get Netflix behind it, they may promote it. Their algorithms would. Promote oh, that's it, right. But they don't necessarily. They, they don't. They wouldn't put a billboard for me. No. You know? Right. Um, Unless you had a big name. Yes. Because there's this street in L.A. on Olympic. <laughs> literally the billboard. With Sabrina? Um, no, oh, no. But the billboard changes every week. And Netflix, Netflix has that billboard, oh, obviously. Because every week there's a new um, um, billboard of a new show. One on day. The, yeah. So basically, you're you're trying. Do you, can, could you get a manager to help you? or Eventually. And I've had, you know, I've had a few... I wouldn't necessarily say meetings, but I, so my executive producer is um, someone who I had worked with before, but she's, her name's Judy McGrath, and she's, she used to be the um, CEO of MTV Networks. Okay. And so she is our kind of like, you know, guiding light. Sure. Um, helping to try to push this through in any way that she can or Yeah, I advise. think MTV would be perfect for this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she, but she's not there anymore. Yeah, but still, um, I'm just brainstorming. Mm, I'm just thinking yeah. like, you know, Netflix does, you know, a network that's more for your age group. Just, yeah. It would just seem to be the perfect fit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I just... Yeah, for for me as a filmmaker, the ultimate badge of honor is a is a a cool festival premiere. That's for me personally. Sure. And then there's something different for the actor or the the other producers, where it's like, yeah, you want it to be a financially successful thing, and because it was ultra low budget, we don't need very much to make it to make the money back. Right. Um, but it's also that is happening less and less. Yeah. So those kinds of acquisitions, like the chances of that, are relatively small sure it's just the reality of it I don't know well um, I'm just blown away thanks <laughs> really I mean seriously I think um, and it leads me to something else I want to talk to about before okay. I let you go but I mean I, I'm just really um, I think just the story you're telling about the film is inspiring because I think I don't mean to be annoying by bringing up Instagram, but that that free time that I talk about, mm -hmm. instead of collaboration, you know, mm -hmm. creating, um, researching editors, mm -hmm. filmmakers, um, you know, because it, it requires a team of people to totally put something together and get it out there. And I just think our time is so valuable now yeah. because when you wake up, the tendency to be distracted by the, by the minutia out there is just yeah. so high right now. Yeah. So um, I just think conversations, relationships, yeah. a collaboration, and just being in New York right now, you know, of course, when I walked outside the hotel, you know, I look in the sidewalk and everybody's staring down at their phone. Everybody, oh, yeah. it's just like well, you notice it everywhere, terrifying. and you, I really notice it. I don't notice it as much as in LA because people are driving. People are driving, yeah. but here it's just. And although it seems 
minor. Um, I, I just think the overall impact of all of this makes making high quality work that yeah. much more challenging. And this leads me to my next area, and then I'll let you go. Because <laughs> I know ABC wants to interview you next, so I appreciate oh, yes, you taking you the time to do this. <laughs> so many things. She's a, no. she, Emily's on a media tour right now. <laughs> so I wish. <laughs> um, but I do think you're... You know, your your dad, I'm saying uncle just because he's my uncle, yes, yes. Um, but your dad and mom are also very creative. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, your dad's a music, musician, a mm-hmm. singer, mm-hmm. your mom, fashion designer. Yeah. Uh, is she that wears fa- many hats. But yeah. That, she's, is, that, she, that was her primary profession. And now she does a whole slew of creative things. So did those... Which I think ultimately, um, and they're both very smart and intelligent and articulate. And 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 their business, and the same way that you were saying, you know, like we, like the same way I have to be responsible. I've had a lot of conversations with my dad about it recently, and I've seen my mom do it. I live with my mom, um, where it's like at the end of the day, you are kind of the only one responsible for this shit. Like my dad has gone on and off of having tour managers and like needing to deal with his own transportation or booking stuff even now. And, you know, he was you know, he, he's a well-known musician and it's like, there's still, and stuff that my mom, you know, has to deal with. No one else is going to change the, the font on the second page of a pitch deck for a book thing. Right. Um, she's the only one who's going to notice that typo or she's, you know, and just seeing that, yeah, that even having all those responsibilities is yeah in some way that it's always going to be there. Yeah. Like, but I, I think, I think growing up in a household with two artistic um, parents, Mm -hmm. um, and they seem to be very supportive. They're extremely supportive. Yeah, which is awesome because um, and I uh, because I think it's it's common for parents to think of the arts as sort of a pipe dream, yeah, uh, or like a phase. Mm -hmm. I, I think eventually, though. There gets a point where I think parents realize, oh, this this isn't just sort of a phase. This mm-hmm. so having a musical dad, a fashion designer mom. Mm-hmm. Did you think about going down those avenues, or when did film become um, such an interest to you? Mm-hmm. Like, were you all? Did you ever think about being a musician, or it, that never was a thought, and you just were really into movies? I wished I could play music. I tried every instrument for about a month, and I was horrible. Just to let you know, it takes a little bit longer than a month to get good at an instrument. Yeah, but I don't think I had the patience, or like (laughs) it just didn't. Yeah, it didn't register with me that way. Yeah, and but I love music. I mean, it is like a song will make me cry before a movie will make me cry. Interesting. Um, and that's partially like I, you know, I grew up with my dad singing me to sleep and listening to all of his music, and you know, when I travel, I listen to him just because it's like it's a you know. You know, piece of home with you or something. Sure, probably but, um, relaxes you or takes your family with you wherever yeah. you go. But uh, when? How did the film bug yeah. bite you? I guess you could say. Well, I think you're gonna. I mean, you know, I obviously I grew up in a specific time where, like, you know, my first my first computer was a desktop that had a. It was one of the first ones that had the little camera in it, and right. I could film myself. I filmed myself singing along to songs or trying to imitate a commercial, and then I would edit it together on iMovie, and I was just like fascinated and obsessed with like the effects and doing the stuff. And I made a music video for my brother and it was like, 
I think the same way, you know, my mom was really lenient, but the only thing that she didn't allow us to have was video games. Right. But I think in some ways, like, that was my video game. Sure. Like, it was just, I was so obsessed. And then I saw, you know, my mom loves talking about this, but we had a, a family friend, I don't remember his name, but he had made this short film called Petite. He was okay. short, and it was about how his whole family was tall and he was short okay and it was hilarious it was like a five minute film he was maybe 16 and i was 12 when i saw it and i was like and it was a good short film like a really good short film and i was just like oh my god like that just it blew my mind and i was like i could you know i can't i can't write a song i can't play right. an instrument fashion never interested me i was a complete tomboy <laughs> i should also say my mom is a writer too and like my grandparents were in film right um not that, that was i wasn't aware of that though yeah no and you know they died when i was kind of young so right. i wasn't i wasn't very aware of it but um yeah i just i saw that and i was like i could i could do that <laughs> so you really like that really inspired you yeah. and you really connected with that process and i grew up with and you know my mom it, my parents are divorced, so I grew up with my mom, and she always will say that the TV was like my babysitter. So okay. I had dinner with the TV almost every night. That right. was my... Yeah, I was obsessed. Was there a particular movie that you remember seeing in the theater that really... I feel like every filmmaker... I just saw the Spielberg documentary. Oh my God, I love that documentary. Yeah, no, but I feel like... I feel like... It, was there a specific films that really resonated with you? I mean, I have, like, my... I can't remember, like, a film in the theater that, Okay. like, you know, one of my favorite movies is Little Miss Sunshine. Sure. Um, and I loved Juno. I mean, I think... I just can't remember something in a theater where I was like, that's... Well, it's interesting, I but I think it's also a symbol of our times. Yeah. I, I went to the movies more often back Well, I then. went to the movies at... But now I feel yeah. like a lot of people see movies at home. For sure. So, when I was growing up, I didn't. Yeah, but, but obviously, the, whether it was it, uh, whether it was in the theater or at home, mm, Little Miss yeah, Sunshine yeah. and Juno. Yeah. And it probably just makes more people watch movies now at home than sure. than, than ever. Yeah, I do. Uh, but those two films, um, obviously. And I remember seeing through so through my program with Tribeca, the fellowship. Right. Um, they had us go to a ton of movies and hear the directors talk afterwards and they would talk to us like just us screenings for just us right and it's so weird because i have horrible i really don't have a great memory but like all of those movies that i saw through that program are like some of my favorite that i remember forever which was beast of the southern wild and we talked to that director and i was like blew my mind right and then what's a movie called an oversimplification of her beauty which is terrence nance and he currently has an hbo show okay um but that also, I was just like, oh my god! And he had animation in it too, and it was like experimental, but like also beautiful, and like, yeah, just getting to like see the filmmakers in person. Yeah, there's something about it sort of personalizes it. Yeah, and, you and it get makes this, it feel. Yeah. I told this story before. Um, Sam Jones is this photographer, yeah, famous photographer, and he has an interview show, mm -hmm. which in a way sort of inspired me also to start this. Um, most of the interviews, though, are. There, there's sort of they're all famous people, uh -huh. and they don't really get too deep into their creative process. Uh -huh. But he did interview Ethan Hawke, who was oh maybe I listened to this. It's about his recent feature. 
No. Okay. I mean, this was probably like two years ago. Okay. But Ethan was friends with River Phoenix. Oh. And River, do you know River Phoenix? He died young. He died young. Yeah. He was a pretty big actor. Um, Very handsome. <laughs> when I, yeah, when I was yes. in my 20s. Yeah. Um, but they were friends. Uh-huh. And this is sort of also my point. Like, they weren't famous at the time, but mm-hmm. River became famous while they were friends. And Ethan wasn't famous yet. Yeah. But when River became famous and got more exposure, um, Ethan was sort of, his response was like, oh my God, if my best friend can become famous, why can't I? Oh yeah, I know. So I think when you sort of personalize uh-huh. um, famous people yeah. and or, or like you meet them or you get, you're in a room with them and you yeah. have dinner with them, they feel like just human beings. They yeah. don't feel like sort of gods. Yeah. And which is another reason why I think it's important to be is friends with a lot of people yeah. that are creative or similar that will have similar interests because Definitely. it inspires you. Yeah. And if like your best friend and it's not it's not a competitive thing, but it's it, it can be supportive. No, you need people who will push you up because it's like I mean yes. as artists like I can go out you know, people have People, you know, said you're so brave to be doing this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, I have to market stuff in a certain way or have this confidence. But at the end of the day, yeah, I'm like horribly self-conscious about any number of things. And so you need people who will surround you who, yeah, will tell you like it is when it's necessary not to beat you down, but to build you up. Sure. People who are there to support you and to, yeah, it's important. And I'm sure people in your class might be, you know, jealous, uh, but the smart ones... Will, Most of them will are be, super supportive. Well, I don't mean yeah. like smart, saying, but they'll, yeah. they'll take your accomplishment of finishing yeah. this and it'll inspire them. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, you know, friends, it's sort of this playful competitiveness, but also totally. supportiveness to get each each of us to um, keep working on our dreams. Yeah. So. Um, well, my main, the main uh, educator at the Tribeca program that I was a part of, he would always say circles rise. Mm. So, you know, yeah. people, we all build each other up and. And so, um, and then you, you knew that you, you went to Oberlin College in Ohio yeah. and your dad went there yeah. and your brother went there. My brother went there. Uh, older My dad bro- didn't graduate from there. Yeah. He didn't? No. Oh, how funny. I he didn't left. Know. Oh, that's right. He went to UCLA yeah. and graduated from there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but you, you went there, they have a good film school. I actually, you know, I wanted to go to Yale, which I'm very happy I didn't now. Right. <laughs> but... You know, I like their film program. It's not, I think most undergraduate, unless you're going to like a USC or sure. Emerson, yeah. their film programs are a lot more about film studies as opposed to film production. Right. So that's why Oberlin does this thing with Prague, because Prague is entirely film production. Right. Um, but I I had gotten a really good boot camp at Tribeca okay. and in my high school. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I think... I, I think we're almost wrapping it up, but I, I yeah. want to ask last thing. Um, so what's like, what are you working on now? But not re- not relating to Crush. Totally. Um, yeah. Are you writing new scripts or are you working? Yeah. Or, or what's going on? Um, yeah. So like I, told, I mean, I'm doing, you know, part time work, nannying and everything <laughs> well, to I mean, make money. I'm, but other than that, I, I'm talking on the creative, creative side. Yeah. 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 I'm more, so one of the things as I've been trying to talk to a lot of people, something that they say is, you know, I, I am in a certain position where I'm going to have this movie coming out. Right. Hopefully in the next six months. Yeah. Who knows? But, it, you know, people will pay attention to it, whether it gets distribution or not. It's a good 
portfolio piece, something that I've accomplished and I'm, you know. And they're all going to want to know what you're working on next. Because that's, because <laughs> yeah. of course, and as great as it is, everybody, the next thing, every after. Oh, they want to know what you're doing Everybody's, next, yeah. after people are done complimenting you, the yeah. next thing is, uh, so what else? Yeah. And so a lot of what people say is like, you need to have, you need to have something ready. Like, it's not like, anyway, so that's what I've been trying to push myself to do. So I'm working on, I have another feature in mind that I haven't necessarily started, but I have two pilots that I'm working on. Okay. Um, Like TV show pilots? Yeah. So one is like Crush, the TV show basically, but it wouldn't be called Crush. Right. Um, But using the same characters, uh, same actors, all that. And then another is tentatively now called The Home Office, kind of based on my experience living at my mom's house, which is a home office. Right. Um, and you know, you, my mom who would, when I was growing up was selling clothing out of the house and I'd yeah. walk in from school ready to do homework and walk into three naked 70 year olds in my living room. Um, <laughs> and great. just basically, you know, you know, friends meets Gilmore girls meets the office. Yeah. That kind of, yeah. So I'm hoping that I have those ready in the next six months, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? Um, just for the app because Instagram (laughs) spending all my time on Instagram no I mean I think (laughs) the thing that I've now I'm like psyching myself out about is I know that you know crush the first draft was there was 50 more drafts right and I'm now I'm just like I get into writing I'm like I want it to be perfect the first time around sure which is just not realistic so I'm I've made a lot of progress with the crushed one but not as much with the other one right yeah well, um, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, uh, is there anything else that, that you want to share or we, we covered the gamut, I think we covered, we covered a whole damn lot. So. Yeah, we did. You're yeah, in New York great. city. You're living in New York. I'm in New York. If I'm, I love working on film crews. So yes, <laughs> if, anyone's, if anybody's looking, yeah, anyone's looking for film crew yeah. stuff, I'm love waking up at 5am <laughs> biking to set. Yeah. I was doing that last week. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And just thank you for having these conversations. Def- well, that's the, that's yeah. the goal. You know, it's, it's about opening up the conversation. I, I think, um, I think we have created, um, we're living in a world now where we actually have two, we have two Eddies and two Emilies or just two people. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. you have your real life and then you have your Instagram life. Totally. And the Instagram life, I think, unfortunately, people are paying more attention to mm-hmm. than a real life. And people are liking somebody because they have a good body or because they have a good filter mm-hmm. or they only post happy pictures traveling around the world or like food. I don't, I'm not sure. It could be anything. Yeah. People are just having a good time. But uh, after a while, that that's just boring. Yeah. And there's really nothing to that. Um, it's much more interesting and inspiring. <laughs> I've been more inspired the last eight weeks than in a long time. And I think a lot of it is because I'm, um, I've created this podcast where I'm yeah. talking to cool people about what they're doing. And, and it's been pretty awesome to have people come on. Um, I ask and they say yes. I mean, it's been really sort of, yeah. I can tell people are feeling the way that I feel about our culture. Um, we miss I, like I miss having conversations. Yes, with I'm also very much introverted, so I just tend to not socialize. Well, and that's the other thing. I think the introverts in our world are getting pushed aside. Yeah, they're getting, they're, um, 
the the loud mouths are the ones that are getting all the attention yeah and or the ones that are ruthless in the way they speak or show off their bodies they don't have to be particularly talented but if they're sort of obnoxious or loud or willing to show off their ass on instagram they're going to get more attention than the articulate intel more intelligent more talented soft-spoken one because they aren't comfortable doing those ridiculous things that somebody else is doing. So I think um, having conversations um, about how people deal with Instagram, this culture, um, how they still stay focused on their craft, despite the fact that that insanity of Instagram exists. I I just think, I think it's important to um, have these conversations. Wait, and, I ask you a question. Oh no. Do you have well I'm just curious, do you set like barriers for yourself on social media? Like do you have like, oh, I will only be on Instagram for because you I mean you use it. We all use sure. it because we are yeah promoting ourselves and the content that we are making, but like do you say, oh I'm I'm only on it from five to six or do you not You know, do that? I think I'm pretty I'm so uh I I'm when I'm when I'm writing I typically have it off. Oh. Um, but sometimes when I'm writing music, though, like when I'm writing my book, I have it off. When I'm writing music, sometimes I'll I'll post a, a story because I'm just yeah. so proud that I'm actually writing music again, and it's been yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, I in a weird sort of way, I, I actually think I have it under control. Yeah, it's it's really not in a weird sort of way. It's actually inspiring my book. Uh huh. Yeah, because it's helping the crazy satirical world that I'm creating. Yeah. Uh, so I somehow have it under control. Yeah. And I also think maybe cause you probably don't spend tons of time scrolling. Like you're, no. you're posting and you're doing it for your brand and for what you're I'm doing. posting and I'm getting off of it as quickly as possible yeah. because I think in a weird sort of way, I realized about a year ago that it's all, It's all transparent bullshit. Yeah. And in a weird sort of way, I finally realized, wait, everybody on here is just trying to get you to buy something. They're trying to get you to think they're really happy Mm -hmm. or they have a great body Mm -hmm. or they have something that you want Mm -hmm. or they're trying to teach you something. Everybody wants something. Mm -hmm. And I realized I don't need anything from any of those people. Yeah. Nothing on there is really giving me anything other than my funny sort of satirical quotes that I write on there. Yeah. Um, but you've noticed I don't post any of them as often right now. And it's yeah. because I'm not really going on Instagram right now. Yeah. Cause I'm so busy doing all this other stuff. Which is awesome. Yeah. So I think, um, once you come to the realization that Instagram really isn't giving you anything, yeah. then it sort of opens up your whole world. Like, Oh wait, I don't need to look at this anymore. I'm yeah. not missing out. No, yeah, I'm not missing definitely. out on anything. Yeah. So um, it's really, um, it's really not controlling anything in my life, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, uh, that's a good place. Yeah, to I think I, I don't. Uh, I certainly use it. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I like posting silly quotes and photos, and of course, I'll promote no, this podcast. <laughs> Um, I think I'd, a huge fan of your Instagram. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> I think I'd be silly not. I think anybody who's creative, really, any it would be silly. Even a chef would be silly not to use well, it. It becomes like a portfolio as opposed sure. to you know. I, I think mean, that's how I try. Yeah, and I think people look at. I, I think I've gotten gig, I've gotten DJ gigs from my totally. Instagram. So yeah. I think, uh, but I think you just need to be careful to not get tricked 
into thinking that that is actually reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people are creating a persona that they think that you'll be interested in. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's trickery. It's, it's yeah. what it is. It's totally. a big trick. Um, we're and, all and, kind of becoming like ad mavens because yes. we're like advertising. We're all we're all advert- like we're all being fooled. Promo for yeah, ourselves. We're all being fooled by it. Uh, and again, I, I think I know I sound a little pessimistic or negative about it, um, only because I think ultimately it's getting in the way of people really um, being themselves. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that creating a persona on Instagram is easier for people to do mm-hmm. than actually put in the work of what. Um, they want with their real life, mm-hmm. you know, creating better relationships, uh, following their dreams, becoming a better filmmaker, all of that stuff, uh, having a strong relationship, all of those things take serious work. Yeah. Creating something on Instagram is really easy. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think the vast majority of people are, are putting more into that yeah. than their real life. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm really thankful you took the time uh, to come on the show. Bring all your equipment to New York. Yeah, no, this is like I took my show on. I took my show on the road, and it actually worked. Um, I was um, curious if everything would work, and it did. And I'm really so proud of you. Um, I think you can be inspiring to a lot of people, not just me, not just a family. That's why I wanted you on the show. I think um, the world needs more people like you that are following their dreams, um, their passion, but also have a, um, a unique way of that's the other thing. And I'll close with this. We, I feel like in a weird sort of way, we're all sort of becoming the same. Mm. We're all doing the same stuff. We're all like, treating Instagram the same and and walking around the streets the same. And you just seem different. You feel like you're doing your own thing. Right. I don't know. Especially in having two parents that are creative and artistic, I think it could have been easier to sort of, you know, fall into what they're doing. But Mm -hmm. you, you somehow, whether it was subtle or you took a stand, you, you really created your own path. Yeah. And I think that's to be celebrated, and especially today, where it just feels like everybody's like just doing the same stuff. Yeah. So. Um, Thanks, Eddie. Yeah. Well, uh, so Emily Cohn. Yes. She's on Instagram, though, is Emily Serene. That's true. S A R A N E. Yes. Uh, so follow her if you're in New York and you need somebody to work on the on the crew. Contact her. Yes. The film is called Crushed. Yes, with no vowels. No vowels. And I think the Instagram is Crushed Movie. It is. And follow it because I'm sure it's going to be released somehow. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I yeah, think you'll so. Get, you'll get updates. There's some cute little graphics I've been working on. I've been teaching myself Photoshop. So that's been fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So, well, um, thanks again. Thank you. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast, Episode Eight. Yeah. Emily Cohn. Sick. Or Emily Serene. Yes. <laughs> Very confusing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. I understand. Uh, but thanks again for coming on the show. It means a lot. And um, I'll talk to you all very soon. <laughs> all right. Bye.